I've been talking to you the last few weeks about who we are as a church and about what God is forming, has formed in us and is forming in us. And I want to continue in that this week and next. Y'all know the scripture, um, Ezekiel 47 and 9, right up there. It, it is what I see as the biblical description of Church of Living Water. It says, everything will live where the river flows. Where the river flows, there's life. And I preached out of Ezekiel 47.9 for, for over a year at one point in, in our history because the Bible says that from under the throne of God, there is a river that flows, and wherever that river flows, it brings life. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you drink of the water that I will give you, uh, you'll never thirst again. He talked about living water. And so the scripture describes us. It is the presence of God in the life of the believer that when it is poured out, it brings life wherever it goes. There is life in you. You may not have given that much thought. You may not have um, really tapped into the reality of that. What Jeannie was describing today was an outpouring of the life of God that is in her into the lives of some others who are living in some really dry places. Great example of living water being poured out. The thing about living water is that it does you good when you get, take it in, but it really does its greatest when you're pouring it out. There's an Old Testament picture. It's, called a, it's an offering before the Lord. It's called a drink offering. And the drink offering was an offering that was literally poured out before the Lord. It's a picture of our life. Our life is to be poured out before the Lord. So that describes us, but then uh, there's, there's times when folks will say, well, well, what does that mean or what does that look like? And, and the last few weeks, the things we've been talking about, we've been talking about them to help you uh, identify and understand and be able to really articulate what does it look like for living water to be poured out in my life? Well, there's some practices that we have and some things that are part of who we are as a church some, some, that we do that help you uh, draw that picture in your mind. And, and w- the first of those is prayer. We talked, we, we're talking about prayer. There's a move of God in the area of prayer, and we want to pray prayers that empower people. We want to pray empowering prayers. And then uh, we talked about worship. We want to, uh, to, engage in the, uh, to, to participate in the kind of worship that engages the heart of an individual. We, had, we have a man in this church who was saved. He came to a re- re- revelation of Jesus Christ during worship. He said, while we were worshiping, I felt as if the Lord were standing right in front of me, revealing himself to me. And he comes from a, from a religious background. Uh, he's Indian, and, and they have many gods. And he said, suddenly I had a revelation of who the King of Kings and Lord of Lords really was. Jesus standing in front of me. That happened while we worship. That's worship that engages. Worship that engages the heart. And then um, last week I talked to you about uh, evangelism that encounters the lost. So we want to be a a church that empowers. We want to be a church that engages. We want to be a a church that that encounters the lost. And today, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about discipleship that equips the believer. But before we move forward in that, one of the covenants and commitments that we have made is that we are going, because God is doing a work in prayer, particularly, 
in the body of Christ. And I've been, man, I've been thinking about this. Um, it's, ta- it's, it's literally, it's literally um, creating a, a, almost like a, I'll call it a prayer groove in, in my spirit. It's, it's creating this place in me of hunger and of desire uh, as the spirit of the lord moves in the area of prayer he's moving in the body of christ in the area of prayer across this nation and i shared with you last week we simply get to decide whether we're going to go along or not children of israel in the desert when the cloud moved they moved when the pillar of fire moved they packed up and moved it meant god is moving in this direction are we going with him And I believe that we have a question from the Lord before us in our generation. I'm moving in this direction. Are you going with me? I believe that's the question of the day. Anne's going to come. She's one of our elders. And I ask her to lead us in in prayer this morning before I go forward with teaching. And uh, she can uh, just tell you what the Lord laid on her heart. Hello. Um, Praise the Lord. God is so good. how he orchestrates things together and how he is wanting us not to be ignorant of what he's doing in the earth. And I, I, in my spirit, I, I feel a warfare in here. I feel a warfare that we are going to need to pray through it. But the Lord is wanting to wake us up. He's wanting us to be alert. And he's wanting us to realize the time and the season that we live in. It's a very dark season that we live in. And when Jesus went to Gethsemane, the first thing that he did was he went to prayer and he took some of his disciples. And before this, he prayed something. And usually the scripture tells us that Jesus went aside and he prayed. Or he went to the mountain and prayed. Or he went over here and prayed. But we never hear what he prayed. We never have a glimpse into what it is that he actually prayed at that time. There is a prayer in John 17 that we get to understand and we get to hear what it is he prayed about. And the thing he prayed about is that, is that was for us, that we would be one as he is one. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's invited us into that oneness with him in and through the Holy Spirit and by way of being born again. And everything we do, everything we have, everything we are about is by and through the Holy Spirit. Nothing that we do can be without him because Jesus had to leave in order for him to leave the Spirit of God for us to receive. And it blesses me beyond measure to, to see how I had a whole little thing that I was going to share. And when Becky got up and shared, it's exactly what God gave me. And I only tell you this because it's a witness that the Spirit of God is speaking the same thing to us through more than one person. And we have to recognize and understand when he's speaking. When Moses stood before the burning bush, he recognized that that was God. And he took his shoes off, and the Lord said, you are on holy ground. And we must recognize where the Spirit of God is moving and what he's saying and begin to take it into our hearts and begin to do what he's saying, because if we don't do what he says, we become only hearers, we will be self-deceived. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I say. And I remember a pastor I had years ago, and one of the things he said that blessed me was that, you know, you do 
the word of God. You do what he says because you do it on purpose. You don't do it because you feel like it. You don't do it because you have emotions that say, I want to do this thing. You do it on purpose because he says to do it. And one of the things the Lord ministered to me says, pray without ceasing. How do we do that? In and through the Holy Spirit. That is the only way. Because when Jesus went and prayed, he told his disciples, please stay here and watch. It was his darkest hour. And he needed help in prayer. And when he came back, he was marveled. He said, what is happening? Could you not pray one hour with me? And he went away again. Three times he did this. And the last time he said, watch and pray, that you would not enter into temptation. And who entered into temptation after that when they didn't pray? Peter did. Peter denied Jesus three times. What would have happened if, he, if they would have prayed? Maybe he wouldn't have entered into that temptation. And I want to suggest to you today that one of the reasons that we pray on purpose is so that we can stay awake in this dark hour. Because we have to stay awake on purpose. When that alarm clock rings at 5 o'clock, I don't want to get up. I get up on purpose. When I tell my son, go take out the trash, I expect him to do it, not because I just say it, but because he loves me. He obeys my command. And I tell him that. And he does it. Because he loves me. We obey the Lord because we love him. And we do those things that his word tells us to do, not because we feel like it. We pray not because we always feel like it, but we pray on purpose, and those emotions will come all along the backside. They will come. And there is an offering to prayer today, and he's telling us to wake up. One of the ways we wake up is we wake up on purpose. If we have to slap ourselves awake, and, and, and the pastor asked me today to lead us in a prayer, and we're going to pray in the spirit. We're going to pray in our prayer language. It's the tongues of angels. It's the one thing that he restored to us that like in, in the Tower of Babel that they built, they, he confounded their language so that they could not do, as he said, because they have agreement. They can do anything. And then he restored to us a tongue, the tongues of angels, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a one language that we have that brings us into agreement there's nothing that is impossible when we pray in tongues, when we raise our voice together in intercession, and we pray in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is praying the perfect will of the Father. And our mind, we submit to the Lord, and we give our voice to him, not always because we feel like it, but because he says to do it. And so we're going to pray today. Right now, we're going to pray. And the thing that's on my heart and what I feel the Lord is saying is that we would wake up. That we would be awake. That the body of Christ on a whole would wake up. And that we would repent for being asleep. Amen? So I want everybody to stand up. And we're just going to, if you pray in tongues, you just start praying in tongues. If you don't, you just pray in English. You come into agreement with your neighbor.
Father, we thank you that you wake up your people, God, that you bring us to a place of repentance, Lord, for being asleep and for not obeying your word, Father. Forgive us. Wake us up, Lord. Wake us up, Father. In Jesus' name, put a fire inside of us, Lord, and a refreshing. Put a fire and a breath of heaven that we would wake up, that we would be alert in this hour, Father. In the name of Jesus, that we would be able to pray. We cast off the slumber in the name of Jesus. We cast off the slumber off of our eyes. We cast it off in the name of Jesus. This blanket of oppression, I take authority over it. I cast it out in Jesus' name, and I declare the will of God in this place. I declare the presence of the Lord in this place and the light of the gospel of Jesus that we would have understanding and revelation of who he is and our purpose in the earth. Press, press, press forward. Press. Praise you, Lord, we praise you. The word tells us that when we pray, that we have what we ask for. So, Lord, we know that when, as we've prayed and we've said, Lord, we want to be awake and aware. We want to be people of discernment. We want to be people who, who hear your voice. We want to be people who are led by you. We know that we have what we have asked for, and we give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are going to learn to pray together. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Today, I just want to talk to you just for a few more minutes. I want to talk to you about discipleship that equips believers. And and last week, we talked about evangelism, but we talked about it as a lifestyle of evangelism, as that, 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 that these things become a part of our everyday thinking, that you don't have to... Um, when something's not a part of who you are, you, when it's time, you have to muster it up. You have to remember. Oh, yeah, I should be. It's like if you're not inclined to do laundry. How many know eventually you're just kind of wading through it in your house and you're like, oh, maybe I should do laundry? It's not a part of my regular practice, but maybe it's a good idea before all of my uh, nice things get mildew stains on them. I probably should do laundry. Well, that's, that's a very practical thing. But the reality of it is, when it becomes a practice, a regular practice, it doesn't stack up. When it becomes a regular routine in your life to dust, 
I was driving down the road the other day, and, and I'm in a truck, and my truck's up high, and this little uh, uh, vehicle pulls up beside us, and I said, oh, honey, look, he has a sandbox on his dash. And she looks over, and there's a man, his dash is, is, is a black car inside, and his dash was completely coated with dust. I could have wrote my name in it. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, every time uh, I, I actually have a towel in, in the armrest of my truck, and just every once in a while I grab it and I go like this across my dash. How hard is that? But that's what the disciplines of life produce, is that, that uh, when you have the disciplines of life, you do things on a regular basis, and then they don't become insurmountable to you. Well, I want to talk to you about discipleship. And, and uh, it's a wonderful term in Scripture. Jesus said, uh, any man who comes after me wants to be, his, to be my disciple. He lays down his, he, he, lays, you know, he takes up his cross and follows me. You want to come after me, you put down your stuff, and you take up your cross and you follow me. So let me just give you some, some scriptures. I want to, uh, uh, Matthew 28, 18, we actually referred to this last week when we were talking about evangelism, but now I want to talk to you about the discipleship side of it. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, he told them to go and make disciples, and then he defined what making disciples is. Don't you appreciate the fact that he didn't just say, go make disciples, and then not tell us what making disciples was? It's interesting, uh, there's an interesting thing here. In, in, in Mark, when, when Jesus is giving uh, the, his, his final address and he's telling him to go preach the gospel, and, and, and in that passage, uh, he said, go preach the gospel and these signs will follow them that believe and, and so on. He's talking to them about bringing uh, repentance to people, uh, bringing them to a place of salvation in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. He says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he starts talking about their believing. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he, doesn't, he who doesn't believe will be condemned. He spells it out for you. But here... In this passage, Matthew hit upon some other priorities in that discourse. It's the same discourse. Mark's just telling you some of the things that Jesus said, and Matthew's telling you some of the other things that Jesus said in that discourse. Mark told you, Jesus said, go lead people to a place of repentance. And then Matthew said, oh, no, don't stop there. Make disciples. But it's interesting to me that in this particular passage, the way the Holy Spirit put it in Matthew's heart, he said, he reminded them, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. We like that. When we preach that, that that'll preach. You can, I can turn that into a fiery message because, because all authority has been given to him and he's imparting that authority to me and telling me to go. It's the same thing that happens with my children. I use them as an example quite a bit. If I tell 
Josiah, Josiah, go tell Jesse to come inside. He's playing outside, go tell him to come inside. If Josiah goes and says, Jesse, dad said to come inside. If Jesse doesn't come inside, he's not disobeying Josiah, he's disobeying me. Because Josiah went in my authority, carrying my name, sharing what I said. Correct? That's the picture. That's the picture of authority. So Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. So when you go and you tell people about Jesus, when you go and you begin to tell others of of the kingdom of God, if they receive you, they're receiving a message from Jesus. They're receiving the word of the Lord. If they reject you, it's not you they're rejecting. If Jesse disobeys the word that was sent through the mouth of Josiah, sounds prophetic, doesn't it? If Jesse disobeys the word that was sent through the mouth of Josiah, uh, that, that dad said, come in, Josiah doesn't punish Jesse for his disobedience. Dad does. Josiah doesn't decide that Jesse's grounded or Jesse gets a swat or Jesse loses a privilege. Dad decides what the appropriate response to that disobedience is. Do you you follow that? So when you are sent, if you are rejected, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the word of the Lord that was put in your mouth and on your tongue. They're rejecting the authority of of Jesus, right? Right. You follow that? Well, the way that Matthew frames this in Scripture, the basis of discipleship is authority. I don't know that maybe you've ever really thought of it that way. But he starts out, let's talk about discipleship. Let, re, let, re, let me remind you that all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Go in my authority and make disciples. So when we as a church determine that we're going to be a disciple-making church, we are determining that based upon the authority of Scripture, based upon the authority of Jesus. So when I say to you, God has called you to be disciples and God has called you to make disciples, if you receive that and respond to it, you're responding to the word of the Lord that is in my mouth, not to me. You're responding to him. If you decide not to be a disciple and not to make disciples, you're deciding that uh, uh, based upon your response to the authority of Jesus, not the authority of pastor. My authority comes from him. Oh, you're quiet now. You're like, oh, maybe I got to take this thing seriously. That's what I said about prayer. Whenever there's a call to prayer, there's an anointing to prayer. If you pray, you're responding to the Spirit's call to prayer, to the authority that is in the Spirit. We're just the vessel that says to you, God is calling you to prayer. If you're unresponsive to that, that's really between you and Him, not between you and I. Now, those of you that are in leadership and that are under my authority, submitted under my authority, um, I might say to you, uh, listen, there's a call to prayer. We're going to have some of that discussion tonight in our leadership meeting. But the basis of discipleship is first authority. Whenever you decide to be a disciple, whenever you decide to be a disciple, you're making a decision to come under the authority of another. You following that? Whenever you decide 
For instance, you decide, I'm gonna, I, I'm, uh, God's planted me at Church of Living Water. I'm going to come under the, the, uh, the ministry of this house, and I'm going to let the teaching and the, and the direction and the serving and the things that go on as part of the life of the body, I'm going to let that have uh, root in my life and produce something in my life. You're coming under the authority of the house. Now, that's a wonderful thing because you're coming under the blessing of the house. The house is blessed. You're coming under the blessing that comes with being a part of what God is doing in this place. The basis of discipleship, successful discipleship, is authority. Those of you that are going to be participating in the marriage class, you're going to be making a covenant to be there every time 6.30 comes, every time it's time to be there for the, what is it, 15 weeks or whatever it is, that that, that, that class meets, you're, you're, you're making a covenant, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there, and I'm going to receive, out of this moment of discipleship, I'm going to receive what is being deposited in me to produce a distinctly Christian marriage. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be a part. You're coming under the authority of that structure. So if you're not there, Dave and Jackie have complete authority to call you up and say, hey, you made a commitment. Where are you? Keep your commitment. Stay the course. Finish the race. Right? Oh, you guys are quiet. This is supposed to be woohoo. Anytime we talk about Anything related to self-discipline, that just doesn't produce the hoo-hoo, does it? Let me, let me talk to you about authority just for a few more minutes. We, we, we're going to go quickly here. Psalm 115 and 16. You, this is something every believer needs to understand. Every believer needs to understand this. The heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth has been given to the children of men. The, heaven, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has been given to you. As a follower of Christ, God, God told Abraham, I want you to lift up your eyes, I want you to look everywhere you set your foot, I'm giving it to you. We walk in that covenant. So out of our life, the disciplines of discipleship if we give ourselves to the disciplines of following Christ, moving when the cloud moves, going when he calls to prayer, going to prayer, when he calls to, uh, to uh, study, when he, when he says to us, I want intimate times with you, I want to be able to, to have a face-to-face with you, that we give ourselves to that, he can help us to lay the foundations in our life to produce good fruit, to produce good things. Listen. I have some really good, I'm, I'm just, can we just be practical? I have some really good fruit in my life. And I thank God for it. I, I, don't, I don't think that I manufactured it. I don't think that I produced it. I, uh, to, to be where I am in my life at this point in my life, having a wife and nine children and a, a lovely home and, and, and a, peace, a, a peaceful environment in which to dwell and to live in day by day, that didn't just happen. That happened by being a disciple. That happened because Laura and I decided we're following Jesus. And we discovered that 
he knew us better than we knew ourselves. And there were times when we would have made decisions quite differently than we made them, but we made them following the peace of God and learning to walk with, by the Spirit and learning to hear his voice and say, no, 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 don't, don't do this, do this. Or to trust him whenever things were completely uh, out of sorts and weren't going the way we thought they should, that he knew better than we did the direction that he was taking us. And those things produced a life of peace and a life of safety and a life of, uh, of abundance and a life of blessing. It came out of the disciplines of the faith. The root word of disciple, discipleship or disciple is discipline. But the foundation of discipleship is living under authority. The foundation of discipleship is living under authority. So when the Holy Spirit says to pastor, God's calling the church to prayer, and pastor gets up and says, God's calling the church to prayer, then to be a disciple of prayer, we determine that we're going to respond to that call. However that looks in your life. You're going to come to prayer. You're going to build a prayer uh, place in your home. You're going to participate in the prayer life of the house. You're going you're to respond and say yes. That's the disciplines the disciplines of discipleship. The foundation of discipleship is being willing, willingly coming under authority. I have children that are under my authority because they still live in my house and because they are of a certain, a particular age. That they are, they're still under my authority. Those children are going to come under my authority whether they like it or not. Just because of the way that their, their age and their, their They're eating at my table. They're going to do what I say. Right? Mama's buying their clothes. They're going to do what mama says. Right? That's that's the reality of it. But the day comes that they step out of that authority and they become adults and they come of age and they're responsible for their own decisions and the outcome of their own decisions. At that point, some of them choose to come under my authority and some of them may not. Then the disciplines of authority become a choice. Or the, 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 the personal discipleship there then becomes a choice. Every believer comes to the place in their own life where for a while they're walking with God and they're so excited and they're zealous about the things of the Lord because this walking with God thing is a brand new thing to them. But the point comes where the Holy Spirit says, now walk. You, ever, you know how you're helping your, your child toddle along and, and you're putting your arms around them and you're, you're, you're holding on both sides of their shoulders so that if they stumble and fall, they don't hit the ground real hard because you know they're going to stumble and fall. But then the day comes, you never think about it anymore. You just step back because they jump out of bed and they're walking. You're no longer going like this around them. Don't, don't, don't hit your head. Don't fall down. You're, just, you're, you're celebrating. Look at them. They're walking. It's a beautiful thing. But the beautiful thing results in that we step back and we allow them to walk. When we're disciples of Jesus, when we're the Holy Spirit, there's a period of time in our walk with God where the Holy Spirit is just hovering over us and protecting us from everything that could possibly come our way, every difficulty. We call it the honeymoon period in God. 
But the day comes, enough word gets in us, and, and we begin to understand our need to trust him and our need to listen to his direction, and he begins to see that we're walking. And all of us, the first response to that is, gee, where did the Lord go? All of a sudden, I don't feel his protection anymore. I don't feel his covering anymore. I don't feel his hands on my shoulders anymore. Well, he's expecting you to walk. He's expecting you to listen to the teaching of the word. He's expecting you to listen to his voice when the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, no, 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 don't go down that road. Don't make that decision. My sheep know my voice and a stranger's voice, Jesus said, they will not hear. Doesn't mean they don't hear it with their ear. He says they won't respond to it. My sheep know my voice. My sheep have determined that they're going to live out of this. That they're going to pattern their life after the precepts of the kingdom of God. That scripture that she was reading earlier about those who love me, those who are lovers of God, their way is prosperous, their way is blessed. Why? Because they decided they're going to live by this. They're going to walk in the way of the Lord. That's what discipleship is. You decided you're going to follow Jesus. You decided that you're going to come under the authority of Jesus. That creates an authority in, in church life. That creates a structure of authority in family life. And you get to decide whether you come under that authority or not. I get to decide whether I come under that authority or not. I can remember plenty of times in, my, in the discipline of walking with God that those who were over me in the Lord asked something of me, and my first response was, God, do I really? have to do this do I really have to do this one of the first pastors that I was an associate pastor for required me to come into the office on Saturdays I was working Monday through Friday and he wanted me to come in on Saturday and help prepare the service for Sunday in those days, they printed up bulletins and all this kind of stuff. And he wanted me in the office for a few hours on Saturday. My first response to that was, oh, God, really? Really? I have a wife, those days, two children. Really? I'm gone Monday through Friday, and you want me here on Saturday? Really? But there was a discipline on my life and a submission to authority. And we said, okay, I'll go in there on Saturday for a few hours, and I'll do what's put in front of me to do, even though I don't like it. I, I didn't like it. It wasn't about, do you like it? It was about that one who's over you in the Lord, who is developing disciplines in your life for a long walk with God, has asked this of you, are you going to say yes or not? Do you know what that discipline produced? It produced in my life a longevity in my walk with God. Where I have discovered, how many have discovered that you don't like to do everything you have to do in your life? How many of you just enjoy scrubbing your toilet? How many have ever gone into the home of someone who doesn't scrub their toilet? Ain't that pretty? You ever used a public restroom where somebody hadn't cleaned the toilet in 20 years? It's disgusting. 
Those things aren't fun, but they are part of the disciplines of life. Everybody, there's all these ladies that are sitting here going, when's the last time I cleaned the toilet? <laughs> That's a practical example, but you understand what I mean. What that obedience produced was a longevity in my life so that I would, and it produced an understanding that not everything in life is fun. Most, uh, much of the necessary things of life are not particularly enjoyable. Laundry is not my favorite thing to do. Loading the dishwasher is not particularly my favorite thing to do. Unloading, it's even worse. All those, drippy, all those drippy dishes, they didn't get quite dry. You understand, but those things are necessary to the process of life. The disciplines of discipleship for you to come to a place of maturity in the kingdom of God is not all fun. Walking with God does not 100% of the time produce the Holy Spirit goosebumps that we so enjoy when God is moving in the midst of the congregation and we sense his manifested presence. We know that he's with us. The majority of time that we're walking with God, you don't feel like you know that he's with you. You know that he's with you because this word says he is with you. You walk with him knowing that he's with you because he said I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, not because you feel like he's there. That's discipleship. Submitting to authority, walking with God. Uh, then he said to them, he said, all authority has been given unto me. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you just for like one or two minutes here about this section of the scripture. Baptism is a picture of Christ came off the cross, went in the tomb, stayed there, and on the third day rose again. New. Eternal, right? Baptism is, I've been buried with Christ. I've been raised to new life. That's what baptism is. That's why we push people under. We don't, throw, we don't sprinkle water over, over them. We, we submerge them when we baptize. Because you're going into the grave and you're coming up a new person. Scripture says, I've been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 this is discipleship. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who lives. I'm no longer getting to choose the course of my life. You go apply for a job, you get to pray as a believer, Lord, I'm applying for this job, but if this is not where you want me, close this door hard. I will not be disappointed. As a believer, when I was buying my home that I'm living in now, I wanted something else. I had plans for something else. But at the end of the day, whenever what I had plans for didn't work out, Laura and I went home with the biggest smile on our face because we knew that God was ordering our steps. And he was make, we were not going to walk in disappointment. And we found out years later that what he had planned was better than what we had planned. As a disciple, I get to say to, to, to the Lord, in the very practical places of my life and in the disciplines of the faith, 
It's no longer I who's living. It's you, Lord, who's living in me. Let me live your life. And I'll submit myself to the disciplines of the faith. I'm not going to walk in disappointment when the things I wanted don't work out the way I thought they should. I'm going to trust you to order my steps. I'm your disciple. I'm following you.